The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. Coming to you live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining us as always is Portia. Hello, Macca. Wow. Finally, the best part of the season is here. It's trade week and draft week. Yes. Or month or year or whatever I was going to call it, really. Yes. Season, let's say. <laughs> yeah. Thank God that season's over. Oh, my God. Now it we was can dragging. Look forward. It was dragging so badly. It was dragging. And uh, <laughs> look, I'm very happy that, uh, that draft time is here. This is uh, this is our time to shine, Porsche, on the podcast. So, absolutely, uh, absolutely. Looking forward to that. And uh, look, we'll talk about the grand final because it was an absolute ripper, one of the best of all time. Um, certainly the best in the last sort of six or seven years, probably since Collingwood's last grand final, really. Yeah, probably. Um, uh, and yeah, it was a, a heartbreaking one for Collingwood fans. Um, poor Bucks. Poor Bucks. Poor you know, Bucks. they led, what, 90... Six percent of the game, or something stupid like that, yeah. and then they lose with uh, with the minute to go, and it was yeah. just so stereotypical West Coast um, to win in that sort of fashion. Yeah, but it's one of those things like uh, you know you say that, but Collingwood only won one quarter out of four. So what, what can you do? Um... Yeah, well, it just seems to be the way with West Coast. Like they've, they've had a slow start quite a few times this year, and as I said to you before the uh, before the podcast started, like. I thought it was really similar to um, to the game that we played against them a few weeks back. Yeah. Um, where we were sort of five goals up at quarter time and then found a way to lose after the siren. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it was just very similar. You know, West Coast probably should have sealed the deal halfway through the last quarter, really, because mm. they had the ball locked in their forward line for a good five, six minutes. Um, but to counteract that, once, once they got it out of there, once Collingwood got it out of there, they actually had... A chance to seal the game themselves with uh, in the last sort of five six minutes, and yeah. you know, Dugowie had a couple of snaps and missed, and you know, Adams was sort of running towards goal and tried to do an uh, an outside banana and uh, and skewed it. Uh, Mason Cox didn't make the distance. Hoskin Elliott missed, so that, they had heaps of chances themselves to uh, to win the game. Yeah, but I guess that's one of those things like the the this, the. I would imagine as a player, the scariest part of any football game is when you've just pulled ahead in the last quarter. And then to have yeah. that stage be the grand final as well, like it's pretty hard to keep composure, I imagine, in those high-pressure circumstances because it's so easy to let it slip. Um, it is. Oh, look, oh, you know, when uh, when Dugowie kicked that monster goal from, from 50, mm. um, you know, two goals in the first minute of the last quarter, you thought, oh, Collingwood are going to maybe run away with this here and, you know, big home crowd and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but look, to West Coast credit, they just kept fighting and fighting and um, did what they had to do. And, you know, they're a very good team, West Coast. You know, a lot of people sort of predicted they'd be bottom four or, or definitely bottom eight. You know, they lost a lot of talent at the end of last year. Um, but full credit to them. You know, they're a very, very good footy team. Yeah, no, they did good. And um, just uh, back on Collingwood, I mean, hasn't Jaden Stevenson had an amazing first year in AFL? <laughs> Oh, yeah, to <laughs> slot what, 40 goals or 39 goals, whatever yeah, it is? Yeah, played the grand final. Not bad, is it, for a guy that couple, uh, the day before the draft, though, everyone was worried about heart murmur. Oh, exactly. <laughs> yeah, rising star, two goals in a granny. Yeah. Pretty good. 
<laughs> pretty damn good. Good on him. He's yeah, uh, he's one of my all-time favourites. So he, yes, good on absolutely. him. Absolutely. He's, he's 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 that most uh, annoying thing. He's a likable Collingwood player. Um, he is. It's he almost is. as bad as it gets. Yeah. And look, Jordan Degore, he's got a head like a robber's dog, but um, you know he is he is turning into an elite player himself. You know those three goals that he kicked were just uh, showtime footy at its best. Well, it'll be interesting to see if he can back it up next season because I think that uh, you know there's always that magic of things that can happen in one season, but then there's a whole off season for opposition coaches to work you out and your systems to change and all that. It'll be interesting to see if he can really sort of follow up. Uh, in 2019 and do the same sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you would you would have to think that Collingwood might be odds-on to sort of slip back down the ladder a bit. You would. You know, look, full, as I said, full credit to West Coast, but full credit to Collingwood. They played pretty much without their entire back line for much of the season mm. and uh, still managed to make a grand final and go within a minute of winning it, which is a, a phenomenal effort, but... Can you really see the likes of um, Hoskin Elliott kicking 40 goals again? Josh Thomas kicking 40 goals again? Um, can Stevenson back up his well, year? Can Dugowie improve on what has been a fantastic year and, for and him? And not just that, all in the same season as well. You know? All in the same season, yeah. yeah. Can Brody Majacek sort of uh, you know, find form again next year or is he just going to be a one-season wonder? You know, there's a lot of a lot of big questions surrounding Collingwood, and you know they've got a pretty good list. They've got a lot of talent. They'll bring in some more talent this year. Um, but yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they drop back down a, a little bit next year. Yeah, look, I mean, this is to be expected, I, I think. Um, but I, I think you could also even predict West Coast might do the same thing. Who knows? Who knows? Mm. Um, Luke Shuey, the uh, the twitching ducker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's good to see someone with two rets and uh, win a um, win a Norm Smith medal. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's a he's a good player, and uh, you know he was very 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 good on the weekend. I thought I would have given it to Dom Sheed, not just because of his yes. last quarter goal, but he had thirty two yeah, touches, he had eight clearances, great six game. inside fifties, completely shut down side bottom. He played an absolute monster game, and uh, he was probably my MVP for the day. Yeah, I'd be pretty much in that same basket, I would say, yeah. But, mm. you know, we're not vote. we don't vote. <laughs> no. I guess the other interesting thing was that we, we saw a, a big key forward dominate in a game like this. Um, Josh Kennedy took 11 marks and kicked three goals. And, uh, of course, he was held scoreless uh, in West Coast Grand Final in 2015. So, yeah. good for him to, uh, to absolve those demons and uh, and have a monster game in a in a grand final. Yeah, well, I mean that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, I, I guess we're back to regular transmission in the the, the side that had a reliable tour forward won the game, uh, won the grand yeah. final, won the premiership. Um, you know, after last year's Richmond exception, which even Richmond couldn't back up. Um, mm. Yeah, we're back we're back to regular uh, state of affairs, which um, I'm wondering even more if Melbourne's really definitely going to trade Jesse Hogan because that just seems absurd. It seems ludicrous, but, but yeah, who knows? Who knows? Stranger things have happened. Ultimate Goodwin Lockie, call. Lockie Weller got traded for pick two, so who knows? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, no. Jack it's... Darling. I want to talk about Jack he Darling. And that, that He was oh, He was nothing in the first half. He oh, had yeah. a big third quarter, which really got them going. The important part, yeah. But if, if that drop mark, 
had have gone up the other end and Collingwood kicked a goal and won the game, <laughs> would we be discussing Jack Darling's um, suicide right about now? Because that was that was just the most awful moment of football, the most cringeworthy moment I think I've seen all year. Yeah, look, it wasn't good, but I, like you said, I, I think that he, he played quite well given his previous, you know, finals hang-ups. Uh, and, um, yeah, I, it was... Uh, I guess you'd have to say that regardless of who won, it was a real team performance. Like, there weren't a lot of carried players on either side, I wouldn't have thought. Um, no. Nah. It was not bad. Not bad. It was. It was very good. Um, right. Now, I want to talk about um, Scott Lysett just for a little bit, because three weeks ago he was pretty much odds-on to be coming to Port Adelaide. Do we still want him no. now that he's won a premiership? Um, and what has this done to his trade value? Uh, well, I mean, he's a free agent, so trade value doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, contract value, then. Contract value. Well, I mean, that's the thing. Like, he's just won a premiership. His contract value should be at a, absolutely at his career high. Um, but for me, like, buyer beware because you've got a guy that, you know, played a pre- played in a premiership side and hadn't, you know, he was all right. Uh, and coming over to his hometown on a big contract, like, that's a real, uh, that's a real pathway to getting a player warning, that is not going to put in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's exactly the contract that uh, I suppose any player that is sort of a middle-range middle uh, AFL player would dream of and thinking, oh yeah, I can get the big money, go home, I've won my premiership, yeah, 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 it'll be great. So that's that's my main, my, that's my new main concern beyond the fact that Lysa just really isn't all that great, you know. Um, there were two teamy against, uh, not two teamy, but there were two rocking up against Grundy and Grundy still massively dominated the hitouts. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> well, they did a good job of stopping Grundy around the ground, but um, so what? Look, Lysa's an above-average ruckman. Um, who would be coming here on a elite pay packet? Correct. Um, yeah, look, I, I don't know. It, it's one of those awkward situations where I feel like we actually need him. No, but no. I don't particularly. I'm not entirely enthused about getting him. You say that we need him, but how many times? Like we were, we were saying midway through the season, like last year was the last time we bring in players just because we need them. Um, you know, like we did that with Ryder and we gave up good picks. We did that with. Dixon we got good, gave out good picks this time we'll be giving away opportunities to play guys like Franklin and Sam Hayes in favour of a guy that he'll come over on what, at least a three year contract you'd say, we'll have him around for three yeah. years so you'd say that Frampton if he's going to be ready he'll be ready next year and Sam Hayes will be ready within two um, you know, that's we're wasting money, we're wasting money on an elite Ruckman who is an elite and probably doesn't have that durability if he has to play a full game because how many times has he done that in his career? Not often, not often. No, no. so uh, no, I don't want him at Port. <laughs> Thanks. Fair enough. Right, let's talk about some other trade news, and um, I guess the the main one to talk about is Chad Wingard because it's come out again, sort of Bizarre. late last week. There's a lot of smoke surrounding Wingard. Hawthorne are super, super keen. The Dogs and Kilda, they're also keen. Um. What's going to happen with Chad? Are we going to lose him? Is he going to choose to to leave Port Adelaide? Oh, look, I mean, I think if I'm Chad, if the club has come up to me to even consider being traded, I am taking that very bloody seriously if I'm Chad. 
And I think if I'm the club and those words came out of my mouth, I would think I'd been possessed by the demons, by a demon mm. or a devil or something like that. You know, there's no, there's no way that you trade Winger. Like, what can we possibly get in return that would make it worth trading a guy in a rare age bracket for us actually having talented players that is already performing well, yeah. and, you know, for a lot of the season was right up there in, what was it, goal assists, um, and was also performing really well in midfield under a midfield structure that wasn't working. Uh, that one of the you know two, we've lost two coaches from the team from last year. Uh, you would ex- hope, and you've just brought in a guy that you know is Schofield going to be doing midfield coaching now. Um, yes. Yeah. So why would you make that change and then get rid of your most potentially damaging player in exactly coming into his prime? Absolutely moronic. If that's what the club's doing. Yeah. Look, I don't know. I, I can see the club being a little bit frustrated with him. I can see. Oh. Why they might look at options, I can see why Chad might want to look at his options as well. They should, yeah. And if he's if he thinks he's worth more than what Port have offered him, I don't think fine. That. Go and have a look. Um, but yeah, look, unless we get, but we'll probably not trade him unless we get two first round picks. And even then, you know, there's two first round picks, and then there's two first round picks. Yeah. And uh, you know, is pick. 12 and 16 from Hawthorne going to be worthwhile for no, Chad Winker? Probably no, no. not. You know, if we get, you know, the Dogs' first two picks, like their, you know, first pick this year and next year, you probably do it. Or you at least seriously consider it. And St Kilda as well. You know, if we end up with pick three or four, you'd probably consider it. But uh, but no, Chad Wingard at Hawthorne would uh, probably leave me in the fetal position somewhere because it's just Sean Burgoyne all over again. Yeah, well, worse because I think that he's in better nick than Sean Burgoyne was when he left. Um, yeah. Uh, no, Wingard, uh, if I was Wingard, I don't think it's even a money motivation thing for another club. I think it comes down to am I willing to stick around uh, under a coaching regime that's not working for another three years or am I going to go to a club where I might jag a premiership? Um, that would be. Yeah. I, I think. I think that's much more likely to be Chad Wingard's motivation than just the dollars. It's going to be. Yeah. You know, can I be a star? Will I go mm. to a team that has a coach that will treat me like a star player and let me play my natural game? That's what I think his decision will be based on, and that scares yeah. the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, look. To make matters worse, there's, there's a fair bit of smoke around us trading Sam Pepper as well. <laughs> that would. That, we won't get value for him. No, I mean that that would just be ludicrous to yeah, yeah. trade Pal Pepper now because look, we spoke about him last week and yeah, yeah. for much of the season he had a pretty good season. Yeah, you know, it was only the first three in the last three games where he struggled. Outside of that, I can understand the off-field issues and you know he needs to pull his head in and all that sort of stuff. But this is also a kid that's living with the captain. You know, what sort of leadership is our captain showing when Pal Pepper? started getting these issues when he moved into the captain's house. That's not good enough. That is not good enough at all. <laughs> and why would you consider trading Pal Pepper? Because we're not going to get anywhere near value for him. And, and why would you consider trading and we him? Picked him? We picked him with a first-round pick. That we traded into to get him, yeah. specifically for him. We got him. Happy days. And then two years later, you want to trade him because he accidentally put a picture of a boner on... Instagram. <laughs> a co- like, yeah, yeah, come a on. covered one too. Yeah, yeah. A covered one. 
Like, you know, if it was a full-on, you know, as your father, then maybe you consider it. But, you know, let's uh, let's be serious here. Come on. <laughs> and what are we going to get for him? Like a mid-second round pick? What I'm worried about is, like, where are these rumours coming from? Because if they're coming from Victoria and player managers, I'll go, yeah, okay, that's just standard Victorian bullshit because they can't get inside the club. But if they're coming from South Australia, that worries me. Yeah. Where are they coming from, do you know? (laughs) The thing that worries me is that, like, Polek's gone. See, by Polek, he's gone. Sure. That's done. Chad Wingard is probably 80% going to go. That's, this is is serious. He's he's most likely going to go. That's a problem. No. If we trade Pal Pepe as well. Like I'm really looking forward to Cam Hewitt being a link man next year. You know, Grunt like Gruntful. Are we are we just getting rid of any sort of pace and uh, line breaking ability in our side? I don't know. That's just craziness. <laughs> I don't it's know. Utter craziness. It, it, well, I mean, we talked about the big criticism of the coaches this year, or one of them. There's several. But one of them was that we're expecting every player, no matter what position, to play contested football, and that that's not the best thing for a side. Well, it looks like we are going to make it 100% contested football. 100% we're going to get, contested. We're going to get rid of every skilled player, and then just everything is going to be contested football, and then we're just going to hope that occasionally we don't turn it over for a goal. All grinder, you know, all grinder, no pitcher. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's it. I mean, that's the thing, like, you, oh, you talk dear. about, you could even say, oh, it's because we want to be a tough side like the Sydney Swans were in their grand final years. I'm like, shit, man. I mean, we would have traded out Adam Goods if he was in this side right now. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. But, look, it hasn't been done yet. So let's not, you know, it might be bullshit about Pow Pepper. You never know. You never know. But there is a fair look, bit of smoke look, around Honestly, if there's around smoke around him, Wingard, uh... I can believe anything. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's it. And, uh, look, let's talk about the two new... Uh, inclusions into Port Adelaide, and that's oh, yeah. uh, the first one. We, we spoke about this a little bit last week in one of the the, uh, the Big Footy Forum questions. And uh, look, Jared Schofield's coming here yeah. as the midfield coach. That's confirmed. Um, you know, he's done absolute wonders with Subiaco in the waffle. Um, he was undefeated this year. He's won three flags with them. Uh, that he is probably the best coach outside of the AFL system, and we've got him. So that's he's, a great thing. I was going to say he's probably the best coach at Port Adelaide. <laughs> he's probably the best coach at Port Adelaide too. So good to have him. Uh, Brett Montgomery has also uh, come back to Port Adelaide to be our forward coach. Okay. Um, which I am less enthused about. Yes. I have to say. Yeah, well, I mean, he's a guy that's obviously had, you know, dust-ups with uh, fellow coaches in the past, and uh, he was an All-Australian backman, so why you name him as a forward coach when that doesn't seem to work when you name players that didn't ever play forward. I mean, when, when a forward line is as dysfunctional as ours, you need someone that has played in a forward line, and ideally recently, mm-hmm. you know? Um, look, I, I get that he's a disruptor, and I think that'll be a good thing, but his record's not fantastic. Um, yes, he was at the Dogs the year they won the Premiership, but he left before the finals. Uh, he yeah, didn't do anything yeah. at Carlton. He's not been a forward coach before. No. Uh, so this is new territory for him. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not overly enthused about it, but look, if he can shake things up and maybe he's got some great ideas, um, that'll be a good thing. Yeah, I'm pretty hugely unconvinced on that one. Mm. Yes, we shall see how that works. 
Um, on to some uh, big footy questions. And okay. the first one is from T. Cray, which is, what is a reasonable target for Todd Marshall next year in terms of games played and goals kicked? Uh, ooh, I reckon 18 games played and 35 goals kicked. Yeah, I think he needs to... Like, the aim should be for him to play every game. Yeah. yeah. If he gets injured, so be it. But um, we should be aiming for him. A reasonable target is for him to be playing every game, so 22 games. Yeah. And probably at, you know, one and a half goals a game. So yeah, if, he, if he's at 18 and 35, 35 40, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 35. I'd, I'd be happy yeah. with that. That sounds about right. I'd, I'd be pretty happy with that. Mm. Um, Lawn Chair Larry has asked, uh, how do we envisage a forward line that might contain any of Ryder, Dixon, Marshall, and possibly Lysett working? Well, do we see Ryder them and... with a three-toll forward line? We, well, we don't have, you wouldn't have Ryder and Lysett in the forward line at the same time, really. So that's removed. And then who were the others? It was just Marshall, Ryder, Dixon? Was that, was that the three? Ryder, Dixon, Marshall, and possibly Lysett. Yeah, yeah. So there's only three, really, because right, mm. if you get Lysett, then it's Ryder slash Lysett. Yeah, so it's one of them, not both of them. Which Is there any room just... for Frampton? Uh, yeah, don't get Lysett. <laughs> That's <laughs> yes. it. That's 100% it. Don't get Lysett to be a backup Ruckman to, to Ryder, you know? And I feel like this uh, this answer is going to be said again with yeah. this question. How do we groom Hayes for future duties in this format? Yeah, don't get Lysett. Exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> yes it's, it's well said ex- it's exactly the same thing as what we've done to Atley this year in getting in Rockcliffe you know except it's worse because it's not even a guy of Rockcliffe stature and, and leadership capability you know mm. um, it's just a guy it's just a Steve McKee to throw in there and hope that he can negate Ruckman yep. when uh, Paddy Ryder needs a breather you know mm. it's it's the, it's appalling no yes um all right. Uh, <laughs> Ports to get Lukosius has asked, could we realistically play all of Westhoff, Dixon, Ryder, Watts, Marshall, and Lysett? No uh, medium forwards, just holes. Well, how about we just don't get Lysett? <laughs> <laughs> this is the anti-Scott Lysett uh, podcast here. Look, God, he won well, a friendship. It's just all like, these, these are three different questions. But the answer to which all of them, the most logical, you know, Occam's razor response is don't get Lysett because he's just a clog in our ruck development. <laughs> That's 100% oh, what he dear. is, you know. If, if Ryder's fit most of the year, you can play a Frampton or, or Hayes as the second ruckman. And if he's not fit most of the year, we're not going to make the eight. So who gives a shit? That's yep. it. And, and that's Lysett or not. We won't make the eight if Ryder doesn't play most of the year. Yeah. Lock it in. <laughs> Last question, that's from Us Against the Rest, which is West Coast are very good at contested marking. What can we do to improve in that area? Um, Don't get Scott Lysett, probably. Look, I mean, a lot of it comes down to kicking as much as you can to advantage rather than just sort of doing lofty kicks and hoping that a guy is in the right position. Mm. You know, like that's, you know, it's easy to just look at the marking contest in isolation and then say, oh, they're winning a lot of contested. And it's like, yeah, they are, but it's because they've got a really good system, you know, when they're going forward particularly. And apart from that, in the back line, it's just McGovern. <laughs> it's just well, McGovern, McGovern and, really and Barat can take, can take a lot of very strong contested marks. They're two big, big yeah. boys. Yeah. And yeah. look, we don't really have that. Cleary's a bit more athletic. Um, 
you know, Howard's probably the one that might be most similar to McGovern because he gets in great position. Yeah, but he just yeah. chooses to uh, to spoil Punch. as opposed to mark. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if one year Howard leads the contestant marks um, in the competition because at, at one stage, at, at some point, I feel like it's going to click with him. Um, you know, he's he started to do a bit more intercept um, type stuff, hmm. but he could do a, a lot, lot more. Um, but yeah, look. You know, they've got Darling. He's a good contested mark. You know, they've got a lot of smalls that can take speckies. That always counts as a contested well, Liam mark. Well, Ryan, classic one. Uh, yeah. Kennedy's pretty decent as well. Um, you know, it's just, it's just how they play football. Yeah, it's just how they play football. Yeah, I just want... It's not really directly relevant, but I want to say it, which is that when Shannon Hearn was giving the speech after the premiership, I really did love how South Australian his accent is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's, he's G'day so guys, <laughs> I mean, it's fantastic because I don't think I'd ever heard him speak before. You know, you just see him playing and he just. Yeah, I think I've never heard him and, speak. And you kind of think, oh, he's just Western Australian now. You hear him, it's like, no, no, no. He's got uh, he's got the River Torrens running through his veins. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed he just talked in grunts. Um, so I was quite uh, pleasantly surprised when he actually uh, spoke words on the dice, but that that was good. <laughs> yeah, it was. Oh, I like how he almost completely forgot to say anything about the opposition at, <laughs> at all until he was basically halfway off the stage and said, oh, shit, thanks, Collingwood. Yep, sorry, <laughs> bad luck. You were great this year. Sorry, bad luck. See you next year. And that was uh, it. Now, we've just got a couple of comments on Spreaker chat. Um, regarding the Wingard trade, Scott says, only Saints, both first-rounders, otherwise no thanks. Also says, Ryder will retire in two years and then it's Lysett and Hayes, no real issues. Um, so in his model, I guess we're delisting Frampton. And Magpie's power says, feel for Lysett. He's just a guy standing in front of a new club asking it to love him. No love from Porsche. <laughs> Which, uh, really good Notting Hill reference there. Well done. Yeah. That's it. He's done well. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Look, let's, let's get on to the player reviews. This, uh, this podcast is titled Premiership Factor. Um, we timed this perfectly on uh, after the grand final. We've done yeah, well. We did good. Uh, so the first player we're going to talk about is um, someone who is, uh, you know, we've pretty much talked about him on and off <laughs> the whole time, and that's Paddy Ryder. So Paddy, uh, he played 16 games this year, um, had a, quite a few injury issues as the season went on. Obviously, he hurt his Achilles, I think it was, in round one. Um, missed a couple games came back, uh, hit some really good form mid-year, hurt his ankle again, um, came back, hurt it again, came back, hurt it again. Um, so where do we see Paddy fitting um, in the future? Is is this now the point of no return for Paddy Ryder? He's on that downward spiral until retirement. Look, I mean, I, you kind of would think he is because he just, like, he keeps missing games, which, you know, that's not, that's not blaming him. He just keeps missing games. Uh, and that's really uh, he's at that age when they'll just injuries will just keep getting worse. Yeah, um, you know we're we, with yeah I think we're th- what we're through his free agency period now, aren't we? Pretty sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So those are usually meant to take you almost until you're ready to retire, which means he's very much in that phase. Um, but he's also you know he's very much a premiership factor. Like when Paddy Ryder is fit and playing well, then we win games, and when he's not, we don't. 
Um, although, yeah, absolutely. In, not in small part, that is partially because the coaches decide that if we can't have Paddy, we don't want a Ruckman. Um, mm. so that's that is a contributing factor, but it also does mean that even they think very very highly of Paddy Ryder and probably too highly in that circumstance. Um, but look, I mean, hopefully, like if we're going to win the premiership in 2019, which is looking unlikely at this stage, um, he's got to play all season, I reckon. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If we're if we're any chance of winning a flag, he needs to play 22 games, get himself fit, get over his Achilles issues, and just come out firing. Um, next year because Paddy at his best is a wonderful sight. He's a wonderful mm-hmm. ruckman, great tap ruckman. Um, could do a little bit more around the ground at stages, yeah. but I guess the thing that um, if we do end up getting Lysett or if Frampton or Hayes do develop a bit further and can come into the side next year at some point, um, it allows Ryder to, to play up forward. And he's a very good forward as well. He does kick a lot of goals when he's oh, up yeah. there. Yeah. He just doesn't. He's just not able to get up there enough because we don't really have much of a chop out for him. Um, but if we did, then that could add a little bit of extra spice to his game and also Port Adelaide's game style as well. Well, I mean, the dream was when we got him, and then the dream was this again when we got Brendan Lade was that he was going to be like our Brendan Lade type ruckman, you know, for Port Adelaide, yeah. in that he'd play maybe a half in ruck and then a half up forward, and that didn't happen. He just became our full time ruckman. <laughs> so mm. yeah. Well. Yeah, well, he was meant to play with Matty Lobie and uh, yeah, create yeah. The, the dynamic duo, which um, yeah, didn't yeah. work because Matty Lobie was not good enough. And, no, he <laughs> which had his contract. Meant, yeah. Sounding simple, isn't it? He's a ruckman <laughs> that got a big contract and then turned to shit. Mm, yeah. I hope we don't make that mistake again. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we will. Um, but look, yeah, as I said, you know, Paddy was, uh, when he was fit mid-year, when we were on our sort of winning streak, Paddy was great. You know, he was kicking goals, he was getting a lot of the bowl, um, he was doing a lot of hit-outs, and um, then he just got hurt again, and um, against Frio, I think it was, and, uh, and that was the end of that, pretty much, for his season and Port Adelaide season. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, he had some good games in there along the way, like he, he did well in a 40 against Collingwood, and he had a few big ones, you know after his return from injury. But, you know, there was a, yeah. lot, of, a lot of patchy form and all that as well. Um, yeah, just disappointing, really. Yes. All right, next player to talk about is Stephen Motlop. It was his first year at Port Adelaide mm. last year after coming across as a free agent from um, a decent career at Geelong. Um, how did you see his season? Honestly, I, I, th- I reckon I expected more from Stephen this, this year than we got. Um, yeah. If if you go through his, what he, he played every game, didn't he? Just about. He played twenty one yeah. games, so he only missed the one game. Yeah. Um, he had, you know, sort of four or five year lows in almost every single yeah. statistic. Yeah. So his disposals dropped, his goals dropped, his, his inside fifties from last year. Yeah, yeah. Um, clearances improved. That was one thing. Um, his bounces dropped. He's inside 50. He's got a little bit better. Um, but I don't know. He When he was good, he was really, really good. But he had quite a few games where he just did not go anywhere near the yeah, ball. The ghost, you know, like the Rowan mm. Smith, except without that killer final punch. Unless it's, um, yeah. You know, it, yeah, he didn't He didn't do what we would have hoped, I reckon. Um, I reckon... I don't think he'd be getting told otherwise by anyone. Do you? Do you think Port reckon he had a good season? 
Do you reckon he'll be in the top 10 or 18 even in the best and fairest? Oh, he'll be in the top 18. Been, I suppose um, playing that many games, but top 10, I don't reckon he'd make. No, I wouldn't have. Maybe 9th or 10th, maybe. Oh, you couldn't Maybe possibly. a stretch. That would be a real stretch. Well, as I said, his best games were very, very good. So he'll get a lot of votes in those games and won't get many in uh, in some others. But you know, he started the season really well. His first three games were excellent. You know, he kicked two one and two goals uh, in his first three games, and then he only kicked what five goals for the rest of the season yeah, or something. That's... So yeah. not not enough. And look, one of those goals was a wonderful one, which won us the showdown, and that's great. But um, you know, if you're Stephen Motlop. He was coming here to be, you know, a big link man who can kick goals. Uh, it was only two years ago he kicked 38 for Geelong. Last year he kicked 22, and this year he slotted only 11. Yeah. Um, he just, I don't know. I'm not sure if he was confused in his role or if we were confused in what we wanted him to do. Um, but I couldn't, I couldn't even really tell you what his role was in the team. Well, I think he had a role in the first three games like most players did and then we completely changed our forward line. Um, and yeah. then we went super defensive again like we do after the first couple of games every year. Like as soon as that first spot of range hits, then everyone becomes you know at least one line further back and I think that probably affected Steve Motlop's game like it did everyone else's. Yeah. Look, in round one against Rio, he had 19 disposals, two goals, two great goals. He had six inside 50s, five bounces and a goal assist. He probably didn't have that good a game for the rest of the season. Yeah, um, Scott's got a comment on Spreaker Chat. He looks like he hated our system with a passion. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, as yeah, we've said, probably. our system going forward is not a system at all. It's just no. by pure chance, and it's been that way for a few years now. Um, so it's not really a surprise to me that he got a bit lost in what we were trying to do. Um, you want Stephen Mollop on the outside running with the ball, and there's not many times that I can remember yeah, outside the of the, the pure highlight moments that you saw that. Um, it certainly wasn't a regular occurrence, uh, you know, two or three times a quarter like it was with, you know, Polek. Um, it seemed like Polek was the one doing all the sort of line-breaking and he was the one getting given the ball and Motlop was seemed to always be on the other side or stuck yeah. in a forward flank or back flank or, you know, in the guts when we were trying to... Yeah, you don't really want Motlop as a clearance-winning midfielder because it's not what he's overly good at. You want him on the outside <laughs> delivering the ball. That's why we got him. What's that That terrible line? Was it, um, boats are safe in harbour, but that's not what they're for. You know, like, that's that's Motlop in contested ball in the midfield. It's like... Yeah, he can he can touch the ball there, but that's not the best place to use him. Like you know, every other player we talked about yeah. this year, Chad Wingard, Pal Pepper, two guys are apparently going to trade. Oh, um, you know, he's exactly in that category of like, hey, wouldn't it be great if we had you know people getting the ball to him instead of overcrowding the midfield and defence? Mm. Wouldn't that be pretty good? I think that'd be pretty good. That would be good. Can you see Stephen Motlop performing to his potential and to his previous form um, next year? Oh, next year probably not, unless we start off with eight losses and Ken gets sacked. Then who knows? Oh. <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, look. Oh, fingers crossed, because he's an, a very important player. And we, look, we need him getting 20 touches and a goal a game, basically. 
it's what we need him doing. Yeah, um, yeah. That's, that's reasonable. And especially with Pollock going, he's going to be super important next year because he's our most experienced link man. He can run the lines. He can deliver inside 50 well. Um, and, you know, it's it's his time. He came here with a big contract. It's his time to shine. So um, that's what I would like uh, to see happen. Uh, next player we're going to talk about is Robbie Gray, um, who was wonderful again this year. He was named All-Australian. He played 21 games, uh, kicked the 36 goals, um, spent his time switching between midfield and forward, as he usually does. Uh, was probably a little bit down on form compared to the last couple of seasons, um, but still delivered in spades, um, I guess, when it mattered and um, sometimes when it didn't as well. Uh, I don't, for me, I, I feel like, uh, here we go, we'll use an, an old comparison, like, you know, we talked about Tom Logan being like the minimum you need to do on the side because he's just consistent and does what he does every week. I don't reckon Robbie Gray's season this year was any worse than last year. I just think that the team system, again, was shithouse. But, like, you look at how he played and some of the things he did, like, that was still absurdly fantastic, yeah? You yeah. Know, like, his his ball control is just obscene, like how he can sort of tap a ball from the bounce and then it, it, it somehow it's on his boot and, you know, like, just... The, the weird yeah. things he can get away with. Like, he he was in fantastic form this year, in my view. I mean, his numbers might not have been as high, but no one's numbers were as high. Um, no. that, was, that wasn't a Robbie Gray thing. That was a Port Adelaide thing. So uh, I think he had a fantastic season. Personally. Oh, look, spending... Yeah, look, spending, you know, most of the second half of the season in a extremely dysfunctional forward line and oh, still yeah. managing to kick 36 goals for the year was uh, was good. It was good. He just didn't... I don't know. He just didn't get the uh, the quantity of the ball as he had done maybe up forward in the past. Maybe I'm being a little bit unfair in that because he did so. increase his average disposals from what he did last year. But last year he was pretty much solely a stay-at-home forward for most of the season. Um, he did have a lot of highlights throughout the year. Um, you know, he was great in round two against Sydney. He was really good against Brisbane. He kicked 10 goals against the Crows this year. Um he was really good in the loss against Hawthorne. Um, yeah, there's not much more he could have done. And that's why he was all Australian. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. No, I, I, he has been absolutely stalwart. He's exactly, he's definitely another player in that category. If he doesn't play every game next year, we don't win a premiership. No, absolutely not. Mm. Um, and look, that third quarter against the Crows where he kicked five goals, I think it was. Um, <laughs> just the stuff of magic. That'll go down in uh, Port Adelaide law. For a yeah. very long time. Look, I mean, this season for me, like this is the season when I felt you could genuinely mount a case saying Robbie Gray or Warren Treadray for best AFL player for Port Adelaide. Like this is this is the season, this is the capstone season for me where you can finally be having that sort of conversation, the yeah. consistency over a number of seasons. Um, yeah, he's he's oh, he's almost on par with Treaders. Yeah, he? that's see, that's yeah, that's what I mean. Like he's he's right in that conversation now. Whereas last year it might have been a bit preemptive, but now he's right there. I mean, the only thing that Treaders has over Robbie is a, I guess, a premiership, and b, he did it as a big centre half forward, which is um, you always get more kudos as a key position player. Except at the Brownlow. <laughs> Except at the Brownlow, that's it. But look, Robbie, yeah, we've said it. We said it last year. We've said it all year this year. Um, you know, he deserves to be spoken about as, you know, top. He's definitely top two 
Port Adelaide AFL players of all time. He's yeah. probably top five Port Adelaide players of all time. Yeah. Across I mean, 150 years. Um, he definitely makes the, the team of this century, for sure. Oh, no doubt. Whatever's coming up, he's definitely going to make that team. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. Um, he's a gun. We all love him. Robbie is why you go to the football if you're a Port Adelaide fan, is to see someone like him run around, working his magic, oh. kicking miraculous goals. Um, yeah. I just had that more Long may it continue. I was talking about Port Adelaide team of this century, and I'm thinking, oh, my God, people are going to think of Robbie Gray like we think about players like what Sean Hosking and Angie Congier and all that <laughs> sort of thing. Harold like, Oliver, who was that? Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly, Harold Oliver. Like, oh, he must have been quite good. They were apparently quite enthusiastic about him all that time ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Jesus. <laughs> back when they wore football boots. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something like that. That was back when they had <laughs> tackling, even. Yeah. <laughs> We don't do that anymore because of concussions, yeah. but, uh, you know. <laughs> oh, That's wow. it. Yeah. yeah. I like it. <laughs> uh, next player is Chad Wingard, who played all bar one game this year as well. Um, and look, his was a mixed season. Uh, he came back not in the best shape from uh, from preseason. He did his hamstring a couple of times. Um, but look, his second half of the season, when he finally moved to the midfield, was excellent. Yes, agree. For me, this is a really good season from Chad Wingard, which is just why it's dumbfounding to me that uh, we're, we're looking at the team result and blaming Chad for it and offering it up for trade. What? Why? How? Who? Where? What? Have I, are there any others? There's got to be at least 20 more questions you can ask about that. Uh, Mm. He's, I thought he had a really good. I thought he had a really good season, particularly early on, and through the middle of the season when we were, you know, had a bit, a bit of up and down. He was really putting in. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> he, he, yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't understand why he's on the chopping block because for me, he's probably top five and our best and fairest this year. Yeah, maybe I've, I've probably got him a little bit below that. Look, I thought his first half of the season was pretty poor, and um, I think when we were doing these this time last year. And we asked the question, oh, what does 2018 have in store for Chad Wingard? And I said, I want him to be a 100% midfielder because I think that's where his future is. I don't want him to be in the forward line anymore. Any thought that he's going to be an All-Australian forward at Port Adelaide is just not going to happen anymore. Um, those times are, are gone. Um, midfield is where he suits best. He gets a lot of the ball. He wins a lot of clearances. He delivers inside 50 yeah. Um, and he still kicks goals from the midfield. Yeah. Um, I feel like Chad the forward is an incredibly lazy player Aww. in terms of if he gets stuck inside 50, he's always skulking at the back. He's hoping that his opponent sort of overruns the bowl or something so he can get an easy goal. He doesn't lay tackles. I, I just feel like he, when he's inside 50 and stuck inside 50, well, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work anymore. 51. So he got 51 clearances in the second half of the season playing as a midfielder. Mm. That's yeah. pretty bloody good, isn't it? That's good. That's, you know, you, you spread five that again. out across five the whole again. year. He's he's in triple figures, and that's, you know, that's very good to almost a league. Yeah, yeah. Five a game in the first half of the year, kicked 11 goals. So, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't mm. know. I still feel like what the roles he played, he did, was, did pretty good at him for me. Uh, you can I can say you didn't like him as a forward, but he was still getting on the board. He was still doing, still picking up possession. He was definitely still setting up goals. 
Um, you know, well, he kicked eleven goals, fifteen to round nine. Yeah. Um, you know, as a stance, you know, is essentially a stay-at-home forward. It's probably not good enough oh, I don't know that he for someone of Chad Wingard's. For someone of Chad Wingard's talent, he wasn't a stay-at-home forward. He might have well, played pretty time much. With... He pretty much almost was. Oh, I don't agree with that. He was averaging one clearance a game in the up to round nine. So it's, you know, compared to, what, five and a half, six after that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not going to rewatch the game, so I'm just going to agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he just doesn't get on the scoreboard enough. I, I, I just feel like, as a forward, he doesn't impact our games enough anymore. Like, well, I feel like clubs can, have worked can, him out. Can we stop furiously agreeing? Because I think we both agree that he's better as a midfielder. Yeah, look, that's where his future lies, and hopefully yeah. it lies at Port Adelaide as a midfielder from round one next year. Hopefully yeah. he comes back in some sort of decent shape uh, this pre-season and uh, has a big pre-season and become an All-Australian midfielder, which he deserves to be. He's got the talent. He's he got does. the X factor. He's got the, the match-winning ability as a midfielder. He absolutely has the talent to be an All-Australian midfield um, player for Port Adelaide. And he does, and look, and he does still have. Look, this is, I guess, the point I want to make clear. He does still have that capacity to occasionally, say, once in every three or four games, to spin a quarter at forward and scare the shit out of the opposition. You know, mm. like he's got that capacity for sure. Um, yeah. So you know, that's good. Good versatile midfielder. Yeah. Well, uh, and look, if we trade him, you know what we're going to want at the draft or anywhere else? Good versatile midfielder. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's exactly what we're going to be trying to recruit. Good West Ham midfielder, good skills, uh, damaging disposal. That's if if Wingard goes, that's immediately what we go out and try and replace. It's not as though we've got an excess of him or anything. Um, yeah. You know, even in three years' time, looking at our current list, we don't have it. So yeah, that's it. Next player, uh, Jared Pollock, who's leaving. So we probably don't need to talk about him. Um, next player, gonna... Todd Marshall. I was just going to oh, say, you about... Talk about no, I was just going to say, how about we spend five minutes just slagging him off? <laughs> well, he's not as good as what uh, everyone makes him out to be. You know, he turns over the ball a lot. I think he was yeah. number two. I think he was what top three in the AFL in goals conceded from turnovers in the defensive fifty yeah. or something like no, that. Look, he's a rubbish player, but he's definitely worth two first round picks. <laughs> definitely two first round picks. Thank you very much. But um, look, he's. Uh, his legs fucked. His ankles fucked. Everything's fucked. His head's fucked. He's an ugly bugger. Um, you know, he's under the thumb. Uh, he's going to play on a concrete surface. You know, he's probably going to play about six games for North Melbourne, um, and then he's going to do his ankle again. So, uh, or his foot. Sorry, season. his foot. No, what the, hopefully what they'll do is they'll turn him into a tagger like they did with uh, Ben Jacobs. <laughs> oh, look, hopefully, yeah, hopefully. Um, well, while we're not talking about Jared Pollock, I will hit the speaker chat briefly because Scott's been commentating at us. Um, yeah. He added a further thing to Robbie Gray's season, which is he had cancer and a kid in the off-season and was still better that than 90% of our list. That's Absolutely. very fair. Absolutely. Um, very, very fair. Uh, Mr. Hawk the Chad, which, uh, no thanks. Uh, and I've been called anyone but Hinkley Forsha. Forsha is the anti-Janus. So I don't know what Janus has been up to, but uh, there we go. Oh, <laughs> well, Janus is just... Um... Tearing big footy to shreds. Oh, is he? Uh, at the moment, he's um, <laughs> he's loving that form, which is great. But uh, on to Pollock, who we don't really want to talk about. Look, it was his best. Um, yeah. Was his best season, I guess you you could say. We looked to him a lot as pretty much our only line breaking midfielder. 
Um, I feel like his form to start the season wasn't as good as what people made out. Uh, I thought his form improved as the year went on. He was pretty good to finish. Um, look, it's it's a shame to lose him because we do kind of need him. But um, so be it. Yeah, look, I mean, for me, it, there's two stat lines that I rate as of vital importance to um, Jared Pollock if we're going if, if you're maximising him, and that's inside fifties and clearances. Yeah, uh, yep. inside fifties he had less than last year, and clearances he averaged what just over two a game, two and a mm. bit a game. Um, and we just talked about you know midfield Chad Wingard averaging five. Like he, he's not elite. He's not an elite player. Um, and I don't, look, I mean, he got a lot of disposals, and he did. See, look, he did some really good things. I, I know there was one goal that he saved just by having him to be there and doing a west off in the goal square and things like that. You know, he, yeah. he did. He did some good things throughout the season, but is he worth what North Melbourne's offering? No, no, not a chance. No, I don't don't think he is. But uh, look, I'm going to miss watching his foot skills uh, delivering bowls inside fifty because he is elite at. Um, at kicking to a teammate. Sometimes, sometimes he is, yeah. Most of the time, yeah. Oh. So that, but it's a shame to lose that because we, you know, as a side that has poor disposal efficiency as it is, to lose someone with his sort of foot skills is it's a bit of a shame. But uh, honestly, I and, and I was saying this mid-season, so it's not retroactive. But like last year, I thought uh, I think his, I liked his season last year better than this year. I thought that he was more damaging last year. And I thought that this year mm. he might have got more de- more disposal, but I don't think I don't feel like he was as damaging. But then again, maybe I'm judging him the same way as we're judging everyone. In the it's a team result, yeah. so that's probably that's probably on me that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll cough it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. <laughs> I'm happy with that. Look, uh, next player we're going to talk about is Todd Marshall, who had a uh, an up and down roller coaster season. Um, he he started the season with an absolute bang. Uh, kicked, kicked seven goals in the first two games. Was uh, was great against Frio um, at home. Backed that up with three goals away from home against Sydney in a in a huge performance. Um, had a couple of quiet games. Got dropped, I think, and then very sadly and tragically, his father passed away. Yeah. Uh, which saw him lose both parents in the space of six months. Which you know, as a as a young, the young man growing up, you, you just should not. That should not happen. Should not happen at all, and um, I think the entire football world felt for him. Yeah. Um, he he came back sort of mid-year, played three games, was was decent against Carlton, kicked a couple of goals, got dropped again, and then hurt himself and, and didn't really play again for the rest of the season. So it was, you know, I'm not sure how you rate Todd Marshall's season. It was a season full of promise to start with. Um, unfortunately, he didn't get to play the whole year. But as we said before. Hopefully next year he can play, you know, eighteen plus games, average just sort of one and a half goals a game, and that'd be a pass mark for him next year, I reckon. Yeah, uh, and look, I mean, this season like it was really tantalising in that you just felt like he was maybe one game away from that Warren Treadway style breakout game. Um, yeah, you know that one where he monstered Carlton in Carlton uh, with an eight goal haul. You know, like that. It felt like he was in that sort of. Uh, on that sort of progression, but obviously yeah. he had a huge interruption, which is no one's fault. Um, hopefully next season he can come back and he's got his head straight and done all the things he needs to do and he can come back and have an absolutely gun season. Yeah. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be great? Well, that would be wonderful. He's such a clever player. 
Um, and he's not your traditional sort of tall forward in that he's not that sort of lead mark kick sort of forward. You know, he can do that. He can take contested marks, but he's so clean and clever at ground level as well. He's so quick. He can lay tackles. He can run down players. Um, and some of the goals that he kicked throughout the year were just super, super clever. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of those sort of, um, you know, one-handed pickups from outside 50 and then um, delivering a, a low, almost pass through the goals for a goal. He did that against uh, Freo and I think he did that against Brisbane as well. Um, I can't wait to see what he does next year. I reckon he's going to absolutely tear the competition a new one. Yeah, and it's not just that he's, you know, smart, but he's also got the... He's got that really hard combination to get, which is he's got the, the brain for it and he's got the uh, disposal for it as well. And I don't mean necessarily by yeah. foot, but like some of the things he did by hand this year were just absurd. You know, those yeah. little vital little touches that became a goal. Um, if, you, if you've got that, <laughs> any player that's got that in their skill set, that's not real common, that one. Uh, and then to no. add that to legitimate height, really good burst speed and a, a good football brain, like, wow, he's got, his upside is enormous. It is. It is. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he can do next year. And yeah. um, on to our last play for this evening. That's Justin Westhoff. Yeah. The Hofster. 31 years old, and he delivers the best season of his career. He did, didn't he? Um, he's in the premiership factor. I'm, and this is the reason I put him in this group is because I know I have, in the past, been biased against Justin Westhoff. Uh <laughs> Well, haven't we all? We we all have been. And I started wondering, like, if, for example, if Westhoff gets injured and doesn't play next season, can we win the premiership? I sort of feel yes, but maybe I'm completely wrong on that. Uh, I'm willing to accept that I might be completely wrong there. Or maybe Westhoff out would say, okay, well, then we have to play more traditional set-up. You know, you certainly don't have a player with that same degree of freedom to just run at the ball wherever it is, which seems to result in Westhoff being in defence too often. Mm. Um, but then again, if he has another season like this one, and he is coached in a way that he doesn't become, doesn't get the feel of the side, and then become as ultra defensive as the rest of the team does, um, you know, he's certainly a place for him in a Premiership side, and it's an important one, particularly as I suppose what one of our most experienced players uh, in the AFL. So I don't know. Where, well, he's what played you... two hundred and forty-eight games, yeah. Justin Westhoff. Two hundred and forty-eight games. Who ever thought he would play that many games? Not me. Um, so I don't know. Where, I don't know how he fits in as a premiership factor at Port Adelaide Macca. Do you have any thoughts? Well, he's the sort of guy that's going to win a Noel Smith if we ever he get is. there. Yeah. Because um, he's the sort of guy that will have twenty-three touches, eight marks, and probably kick two or three goals on in a grand final. But he's also the um, one that he'll mark the ball, you know, uh, on the siren and kick a, a point, or Darling. kick out on the full. <laughs> yeah, 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 he'll exactly. do a Jack Darling. Yeah. Except cost us a green fight. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> but look, he had, he had a monster year this year. He had, a, he had a fantastic season. 19 touches a game, five marks, averaged over a goal a game, averaged over eight hitouts a game. Um, you know, he, he did everything this year. He literally did everything. He was uh, first ruckman for a while. He was playing down back. He was playing on a wing. He was great mid-season as that sort of... Um, high half forward, I guess you'd call it. Um, and then he ended the season with five goals against the Bombers. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, it was just, it was by far his best season, by far his most consistent season. I can't think of a bad game that he played. Honestly, I, be re- 
And to really... say that about Justin Westhoff, I'm usually I'm you know scratching my head to think about you know the great games that he's played in a season. Um, he was good to very good in 22 out of 22 games this year. Can you imagine the amazing career he would have had if he'd had short contracts the whole time? <laughs> yeah, well, like his contract is always nice amazing. If, um, if we actually offered him one for next year, that'd be good. Yeah, um, but, and if he oh. does sign up, that'd be that'd be even better. But yeah, uh, you know, he was great. He was great this year. Yeah, um, look, there's a couple of interesting comments on Spreaker chat. Uh, Magpies Paris saying, "Can't believe you guys did the Hoff without Rick." Scott says, "Rick's arch nemesis." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Rick. Bad luck. <laughs> Rick is still literally on the forums at the moment, detailing why we shouldn't offer Justin Westhoff <laughs> another contract. Uh, considering he's probably going to win our best and fairest. What a champion. Um, <laughs> that, takes, that takes balls to, uh, to keep going on that. Look, as I said, you know, you know, we've all criticised Hoff on this podcast. Absolutely. Me almost more than anyone. Um, and, you know, pretty much every year for the last... Well, we've been doing Forever. this for six years. Yeah. And I reckon for six years I've said, no, nah, trade him, trade him, trade him. We've got to we trade criti- him. We were criticising him on the podcast before there was a podcast. Exactly right. Exactly right. Now it's no. We got to keep him. <laughs> Don't trade him. Keep him. Yeah. Yes. He's yes. too important. <laughs> and for, look, for a player that has just infuriated everybody with his inconsistency and uh, laconic nature and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, he was. He had a great year, and he deserves to win the best and fairest. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, it, it's yeah. a great story. If he wins it, yep. And if Robbie Gray wins it, yep. I'm fine with either of them. Mm. We talk about, um, we mentioned Robbie Gray and where he sits amongst Port Adelaide's greatest players. Um, where does Justin Westhoff come into consideration, you think? Well, again, going back to the end of this century thing, I doubt he makes the team. He probably gets an honourable mention mm. um, just because of the number of games he played and people won't have seen him play. But, you know, uh, I think that he fits in that same category as any long-time Port Adelaide player, you know, like you look at your Paul Northeast sorts, you know, uh, you, you George Fiarchi's like, I don't know, he hasn't got that sort of uh, outgoing personality that makes them, you know, a loved player uh, from the fans uh, going on beyond their career, but, you know, doing, having a good job. I suppose, I guess let's put him in a Roger Delaney category, you know, mm-hmm. as that sort of quiet guy that he did his, he gave his all and, or not his all, he had a really good crack, he was around for a long time and there's a lot of people with, uh, will have affectionate memories of Westhoff like, I think every criticism we've had of Westhoff, once he retires we'll look back at his career and say yeah, it was a bit inconsistent, but gee, he did some good things, didn't he? Yeah <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, look, in 80 years time when it's time to do another team of the century he'll, he'll be yeah. a lock for bloody centre half order, I reckon, because oh, no. people are going to look at his Look at, at his, his uh, history and go, oh, he but played... But look at his you know, goals, though. He's, he's probably going to end up with... Yeah, how how long do you think he can play for? I think that's the question you've got to ask. Can he make 300? Oh, look, he can, I reckon. He is yeah. one of the most resilient players. I don't know how. I don't know why. Good German genes, I guess. But, uh, yeah, no, he's going to... If he play. ends up with 300 games and, you know, 350-odd yeah, okay. goals, yeah. oh, God, he, really? he's, in 80 years' time, he's definitely in that... Uh, in the, he's definitely in that oh, team. My stomach's turning. He's definitely in that team. Look, he's as I said, he's um, he's been inconsistent. I've lost a lot of hair thanks to Justin Westhoff over the years, but sure, sure. Oh, it's his um, 
Yeah, it is. Uh, yes, I'm going to blame him. But at the end of the day, he's been a very, very good footballer for this football club. Yeah, and look, as Scott says on Spreaker Chat, he's our greatest ever hipster. So I guess when they see photos of him in 80 yeah. years' time, they'll think, look at that old-timey beard. That's fantastic. Yes, exactly right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh. Uh, All right, well, that's, uh, well, that is us done for this evening. Before, we've actually got on Spreaker Chat a question I would like to address. Okay. Um, John Webber has said, would you guys rather draft Clark, and I assume that's Zach Clark, over Scott Lysett, and he said that Schofield knows Zach Clark and got the best out of him, would be better as a backup to Ryder without affecting the development of Hayes and Frampton? Yes. No. Yes from me. Definitely I, I, I was happy not. to add Zach Clark as our backup ruckman a couple of years ago. Um, I'm happy to sack you from this podcast for <laughs> suggesting that. I said it. Well, you should have done it two years ago, Macca, because I remember talking about him on this podcast saying, hey, look, I wouldn't mind if we, you know, for free, the last pick on the list, I wouldn't mind if we picked up Zach Clark as our backup Ruckman because he's got an, he's not amazing, but he's enough. He's got a AFL-ready body. And look, he's just had a decent season at Waffle level. So why wouldn't you consider him, particularly under the coach look, that got him there? Look, you know? Schofield did get the best out of Zach Clark yeah. at waffle level. I would, ra- I would rather pick up Not Zach Clark with level. pick 60 than bring in Zach, uh, bring on Scott Lysa on 600 grand. Yeah, I, I would rather neither, to be oh, honest. No, I would no. rather neither, and I would rather put faith in someone like Frampton or Hayes um, no, I, I to have get the job done. Fran- that, have, that is what I would like Macca, Macca, as opposed Macca, Macca. to giving Zach Clark. He's fucking bring- back. I'm bringing no, in thanks. Zach, in my mindset. I'm bringing in Zach Clark to compete with Frampton and Hayes, not as an automatic inclusion of the 22. Uh, in the same category as we're talking Come about on. guys like Trent. We, we all and know so what will happen. We all know what will do happen. Do we? I don't really yes. know. Yeah, he'll be he'll be part of that team. If he comes across, if we don't get Lysett and we get Zach Clark, Zach would, Clark is playing 22 games take, next year. I would take Lock it in. Zach Clark comfortably. It's certainly ahead of Lysett and if we don't get Lysett, I would be okay with adding him to our list, personally. Mm. No. Yeah. No thanks. Okay, well, we can disagree on that one, because I reckon I'm right. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't think so. Uh, look, I don't think you can go with, you know, waffle form, you know, saying, oh, a coach got the best. Like, it's like saying, well, Norwood's coach has got the best out of Mitch Greek. Doesn't mean I want him playing for Port Adelaide. I don't necessarily want him playing for Port Adelaide, but if you're talking about we need one more mature ruckman on the, the, the AFL list, which I think we do, then yeah, sure, he's good for a couple of years. One or two. Because mm. we're one short. We're one short, realistically, aren't we? We're one short, one option short, allowing for foreman injuries to ruckman. Look, this is just Cameron Cloak all over again. <laughs> it's not, though. It's it not. is. It is. It is. No, it's not. No. Nah. No, all right. Well, look, we can disagree on this one. Um, Wade B has said Clark is also more similar to Ryder, where Lysa is more similar to Frampton, which I don't know what that means, but okay, cool. Yes, there we go. At first big, first big postseason. Clark is Clark is as <laughs> similar to Ryder as blue cheese is to like parmesan or something. You know, they might this. both be people, but that's where it stops. We're like two They're days in. Human. Two days in, yeah. and Macker and Porsche have already had the first big off-season dust-up. <laughs> I will grant they are both human. They both have a beard, and that's and legs, where and the comparison stops. They're, they're tall. I think. <laughs> they're tall. They are tall humans. Yep. I'll grant them that. I'm, I'm uh, steadfastly saying I'm okay with Zach Clark with a late pick for cheap. I'm very oh. keen on that. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> 
Usually it's you groaning at my suggestions, but, um, <laughs> you know, Deal with whatever. Okay. <laughs> Look, next week, there's only two of these left before we get into the draft uh, yeah. previews, which is great. Um, next week, it's uh, titled The Fading Futures, um, and we will be discussing... Yeah. Um, it's not one of those dark groups. It sounds like it, yes. Um the fading futures of Will Snelling, Cam Hewitt, Emmanuel Era, Jack Homsch, Peter Laddams, and Jake Need. Mm. When does Trade Week start? Is that starting soon? Trade Week starts on the 8th or something, I think. Okay, so the day that we... Next Monday. <laughs> right, okay, so how many... I guess all of them will be still be around because they're the sort of trades you do late in the week anyway, or the, mm. the period. There we go. Very good. There and Wavy's, go. Wavy's defending himself. He says, uh, just to make you groan more, Clark, Clark is an athletic ruckman, whereas Lysa is a physical ruckman slash forward like Frampton. Maybe. <laughs> oh, we've got a maybe. I'm not... I'm a not maybe convinced. and a sigh. <laughs> I, I, just, I just don't want Zach Clark at Port Adelaide. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Right. Okay. Alrighty then. Until next time. Yeah. Can't pair. Can't pair and thanks, listeners. Bye. Punched away by Michael at ground level. Here's a chance for Stevens. Stevens goes high and long towards the goal square. Do it to Bergwijn. Almost brought it down. Here's James. He's had a marvellous game. He puts him in front. Brilliant goal. What a classic. Roger Jones.